I'd like to welcome all of you that are joining us on the internet and also those of you that are joining us just a few hundred yards away over at the Coronet Cinema. We have a congregation that meets there every week. They have their own worship time and then they join us for the preaching of the word. And I hope that you have received your spring prayer diary and Bible reading plan. And for those of you that have just joined us on the internet, if you go on our home page, you can have our spring prayer, read, prayer and Bible reading plan too. As a PDF, you can download it off the home page. And today I want to speak to you on the topic of a prayer breakthrough. A prayer breakthrough. You know, if you open your prayer diary, it's interesting to see what our senior minister has wrote uh, at the beginning uh, in the welcome section. He says, Colin says, I believe that the Holy Spirit has designated 2014 as a year of breakthrough for Kensington Temple. Amen. This is good news, but it is also a great challenge to us. Breakthroughs come through united, concentrated prayer and intercession. They just don't happen by themselves. It's time for ourselves and churches to arise to new levels of personal and corporate prayer. We are all priests to this great city of London. We stand before God on behalf of the city in intercession, but we also stand before the city on behalf of God in evangelistic proclamation. And we began the year, our senior minister Colin Dye began the year in New Year's Eve and then out of that speaking that God has got a plan for breakthrough for Kensington Temple and all that are part of it and all that are associated with it. But as we've just read in our prayer diary, when God brings a breakthrough, it doesn't happen by itself. He's looking for someone to pray the breakthrough through. And today I just want to give you a, a few pictures of men who brought prayer breakthrough hearing the word of the Lord to encourage us in our praying and our believing God for breakthrough in our lives. If you turn with, with me to D Daniel chapter 9 and verse 1. Now, Daniel is an interesting figure because he was in captivity. He was in Babylonian captivity. And even though he was very high-ranking in the government of Babylon, he still kept himself separate from the Babylonian spirit. I mean, that's why he got sent into the lion's den, wasn't it? Because he refused to compromise one bit his faith for the Babylonian captivity that he was in. And we have some other great pictures of the, the three that were put in the pit of fire because they refused to bow down to Babylonian gods. And so this is interesting to see how Daniel understood the situation that he was in and how he also believed God for a prayer breakthrough so that they could be delivered from Babylon. You say, what's Babylon got to do with us today? We're living in it, friends. How many of you know we are living in Sodom and Gomorrah? How many of you know that? Is that a surprise to you? I don't think so. The United Kingdom of Sodom and Gomorrah, part of the European Union of Babylon. 
The similarities get stronger every day. But here, in Daniel chapter 9, let's just read the first three verses. We're, we're looking at encouragements for our prayer breakthrough this year. In the first year of Darius, the son of Assurius, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. This is the first point I want to make. Although Daniel was in Babylonian captivity, he didn't understand his life by Babylon. Babylon didn't tell him what was going on. But instead, he was searching through the scriptures to try and find out what the situation he was that he was in and whether there was a deliverance coming or a breakthrough out of this Babylonian scenario. And he, he was reading the prophet Jeremiah and, and he was reading, and you can find this in 2 Chronicles Chapter 36, verse 21. Two Chronicles, chapter 36, verse 21, where it speaks of Jeremiah prophesying that the Babylonian captivity would only last 70 years and then God would deliver his people. So Daniel is looking at the word of God to understand the situation that he's in. He's reading Chronicles. He's reading the prophet Jeremiah. And he's understanding that they were in captivity because of their disobedience throughout the generations of God's people. That it was a judgment upon them for turning away from the true and living God. And that's why they were in Babylon. He realized that. He thought, this is our fault that we're here, not God's fault. He saw that in the scriptures. But he also saw a promise of breakthrough. That after 70 years, God was promising to deliver his people. So what did he do? Did he just sit back and say, ah, a promise of breakthrough. I'll just relax in Babylon. I'll, I'll feast with the Babylonians. I'll do what the Babylonians tell me to do. No lion's den for me. And just wait for God's deliverance. No. We see in verse 3, having reflected on the word of God and seen God's promise of break, breakthrough, it says, then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request with prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant with mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and to our fathers and all the people of the land. And there's a wonderful prayer that continues that you should read at a later uh, date. So he understands the word of God is framing the situation that he's in. He sees in the word of God a promise of deliverance. And though when he comes to the Lord to pray, the first thing he says is God start in me. God, God, there needs to be a change in us. There needs to be a recognition that something needs to change in our lives. And he begins by, by saying, God, you're merciful and you're a covenant keeper. In other words, even though we're in judgment in Babylon, you've not forgotten us. You've given us a promise of deliverance. 
You're a merciful God. You don't break your word. You've got covenant. Even when we're unfaithful to God, God is never unfaithful to us. He starts with the grace of God. And then he says, you know, God, we're just going to own some things here today. We're not going to pretend to be better than we are. We're not going to be self-righteous. But God, there needs to be a change in our lives. We have from generation to generation picked up bad, ungodly, and unrighteous habits. He took stock of himself. And he said to himself, you know, where are we before God? You know, when you take stock of yourself, it's important. Well, what are you measuring yourself against? I believe God spoke to me last week just as I was driving my car. And, and I believe he said to me, grade yourself out of 10 in your walk with me and your ministry. Grade yourself out of 10. I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. And then I thought, well, how do I grade myself out of 10 in my walk and my ministry of the Lord? Who am I comparing myself to? Uh, and, and I thought, you know, this is a little bit like going to a footballer and saying, you know, how good are you at football? Now, if you're playing something like Sunday league football, then uh, you're playing a pretty low standard of football, aren't you? And, and if you're the star, it doesn't really mean much. But perhaps you move to second division or first division prem, uh, I, I, professional. Again, you, you can be pretty good in the second division, pretty good in the first division. But again, it's like, well, who are you comparing to yourself? Can you make it in the championship? Can you make it in the premiership? So I thought, if, I, you know, if I'm a Sunday league Christian, <laughs> if you like, then who am I comparing myself against? But do you know what? God wants us to be Premier League Christians. He wants Kensington Temple to be a Premier League church. You know what I mean? In God. I mean, at the top of the game. He doesn't want us to be a Sunday League kickabout church that thinks it's doing pretty well when, in fact, measured to some of the top Premiership teams, we're not. And so I measured myself. I suppose you want to know what I measured myself with. Oh, you don't? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I thought to myself, three out of ten. Three out of ten. That's what I gave myself, whether it's right or not, right or wrong. But you say. And Daniel was measuring himself, not by where they where they were. Don't measure yourself by a by Christians who are infected by Sodom and Gomorrah. You say Christians can't be infected by Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, they can, Lot was. Now, I know that R.T. Kendall's coming to speak to us next Sunday morning, and I know, because I was in a car with him talking to him, that he is going to be speaking on Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be a powerful next Sunday morning. Don't miss it. But Lot, who was a righteous man, he was infected by Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, when they came to him and they wanted those Sodom and Gomorrah so wicked and perverse, they wanted to sleep with the angels, didn't they? And Lot... He, he, he offered his daughters. What sort of man offers his daughters for sex? He was infected. No, no righteous father in their mind would do that. They'd rather die than do that. He was infected. Not only that, his daughters were infected. Because later on, they thought nothing of sleeping with their father. To have It, it was Sodom and Gomorrah infected their mind. But here is Daniel, and he begins to pray because he sees a breakthrough. He takes stock of where they are, but he knows that there's an answer. Let's go now to Daniel chapter 10. 
verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, here you see Daniel, and I, I'm not saying that we necessarily need to do what Daniel does, but what Daniel is saying is I'm not prepared to leave things as they are. I'm not prepared just to sit back and let things go wherever they go. No, I am unhappy with the state that I live in. I want to progress. I want to grow. I don't want us to be in Babylonian captivity. I've had a word that we should be delivered, and I'm going to pray that word and do whatever God asks me to do until that prophecy of Jeremiah comes to pass. It was a prayer breakthrough. And for three weeks he prayed. Every day he got up, he prayed, and nothing happened. Not, no goosebumps, nothing. He just prayed the word of the Lord. Prayed the word of the Lord. But nothing was changing. When he looked at the news, nothing had changed. Three weeks of prayer. But then, after three weeks, we have this amazing situation. An angel visits him. In verse 10 of Daniel 10, the angel comes and suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, understand the words which I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I shook, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Isn't that wonderful? When we're seeking God for the prayer breakthrough, the breakthrough in our lives and ministries this year that has been prophesied, what, what, what God is looking for is a heart of understanding and a heart of humility. You know, when we go to God in humility, it's a wonderful thing. When we climb off our high horse, when we stop grading ourselves nine and a half out of ten and think we're praying, playing in the Premier League when perhaps we're a few di divisions below and begin to think soberly about ourselves and compare ourselves to where God wants us to be in restoration rather than where we are in captivity, we begin to see and understand ourselves, the world better, but also we begin to understand what God wants to do about that world better. And he had understanding, and he had humility, and deliverance come. And it's amazing that the angel said, you know what, from the first moment you prayed, God heard. It's like Daniel said, Father, 70 years are up, according to your promise for breakthrough, deliver and restore your people. And at that moment in heaven, the father heard and said, I will, Daniel. And then turned to an angel and said, I'm giving you the job to bring the manifestation and the breakthrough from answered prayer in heaven to manifest on earth. And then the angel went, but did he find it easy to break through? No, the angel was withstood. There were evil forces at work. There were princes and demons of Babylon, demons, that did not want the situation to change. And they knew that if this angel manifested the answer, then the breakthrough would come and they would lose hold of the power that they had. So this angel tried to get through, but he was withstood in spiritual warfare 
by opposing spirits. Three weeks until finally God said, Michael, one of the chief archangels, go and help the angel break through to get the answer I've already spoken from heaven to manifest on the earth. Now, I'm not saying that in our increasing prayer times that we should start asking God for visions of angels battling. and I'm not saying that at all because Daniel didn't do that. Daniel was really unaware of what was going on. He, he was just believing God, praying and believing God and believing that God, what God said would come to pass. But nevertheless, I want to tell you that your prayers are heard by God. And not only that, when you're praying, things are changing in the spiritual world. The invisible spiritual world, if I can use that phrase, it's all one world. God is the Lord of invisible and visible, but you know what I'm talking about. But in the visible world, when you pray, things begin to shake, things begin to move. But it's invisible to you to begin with. The breakthrough that comes has to be birthed in the invisible before it's manifest in the visible. And there was a shifting and warfare. He's just praying the word. He's not shouting at angels. He's not doing all. He's just praying the promise through. But as he prays, power is being released. God is hearing and angels are breaking through on the back of the prayers of believing saints until finally the angel manifests and the breakthrough comes. I'd like to take you to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Abraham is, our old, is the Old Testament model of the New Testament believer. Earlier on in, in Romans 4, we're going to Romans 4.17, but earlier on it speaks about the fact that all who believe walk in the footsteps of Abraham. So in other words, Abraham is a great model for your lives. Uh, when he's moving in faith, that's how we should move. And also his mistakes or great examples and warnings to us, because we as Christians can make the same mistakes that Abraham did. But here in 417, it's like someone said, Abraham, can you, this God that you're worshipping, can you sum him up? What are the main two attributes of this God that you know? Just two. What are the, if you were to crystallize it and summarize it, who is the God of Abraham, and what is he like, and what does he do? And this is important for our prayer lives because it says here in verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. You see the promise, the prophecy? We see that Daniel took the promise and the prophecy. You know, in this prayer diary, there's a whole page of promises and prophecies over this house, over the house in general and us as individuals for us to grasp and to pray. You know, Timothy was told to take the prophecies, wasn't he? And to do warfare with them. What was that? To pray them through. You know, if you've got a prophecy, a word from the Lord, if you just leave it, don't expect anything to happen. You're given that prophecy to pray, to believe God for, to be encouraged by, so that you can see the manifestation take place. And so, I have made you a father of many nations, the promise, in the presence of him who, was, who he believed. Isn't that wonderful? It wasn't just he believed God somewhere far off up there in heaven away, but he believed in the presence of God. 
Who is the presence of God in whom he believed? It is the Holy Spirit. Do you know, you can have nothing from God unless it comes through the Holy Spirit. You can't have Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. Every touch of God, every breakthrough of God, every word from God, every glimpse or revelation or understanding of God's word, everything, everything you get from God comes via the Holy Spirit who is God. He is the most important person on planet Earth today. So in the presence of God, there was an anointing. In our cell leaders net a few months ago, there was a prophecy that there is a new anointing for prayer breakthrough. Meaning that when we pray, we are not just praying by ourselves, but we are saying, Holy Spirit, come help me pray. This is why speaking in other tongues is so important. It oils the wheels. It gets you in the flow. You speak mysteries. But also when you pray in a known language, you're saying, Lord, anoint me. Lord, guide me. Let this be prayer in the Spirit and of the Spirit. And he charges you. He, he increases his anointing, which is his ability in your prayers. And keep praying until you get in the flow. We all know what it's like just to pray. <laughs> Sometimes it feels heavy. Just keep praying, the flow will come. And when the flow comes, things change. So in the presence, but then who is this God? Well, he's two things. In whom he believed, in the presence of him who believed. God, who number one, gives life to the dead. And number two, calls those things that are not as though they were. That's, that's what we need in our prayer lives today. The God who gives life to the dead. You know, what? that's what Daniel was praying for. He was praying that God would come and bring life to this dead captive nation in Babylonian captivity and restore them. Abraham was dead. He couldn't bear children. Sarah was dead in their womb. And, and God says, just believe, I can give life to dead things. There may be some dead things in your life. There may be some dead circumstances, dead situations. Dead churches, dead nations. But you know what? Get excited. I know it's counterintuitive, but the Bible often is. Get excited when you see dead things. God has a habit of raising them up. In fact, he doesn't just have a habit. That's who he is. Who's Abraham's God? Well, I'll tell you the first thing he is. The God who gives life to the dead. And so the whole of our Christian faith rests on the fact that Jesus Christ is not in a tomb, but on the third day he was raised from the dead. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. He's listening to every word we say and every amen you say. Why don't you give Jesus a big amen? Amen. Amen. He heard it. He's alive. Amen. He heard it. He's, he's been raised from the dead. And there's things that God wants to empower with his life-giving spirit. And when we're praying these things and moving in prayer, and you're seeing situations that seem powerless, destitute, dead, looks like there's no life in them, begin to get the word of the Lord and the promise. Begin to pray, and change will begin to place, take place first in the invisible. And that's the second thing we read about the God of Abraham for our prayer encouragement today. That he gives life to the dead, yes, and calls those things that aren't as though they were. This is tremendous. This means that our God, one of his 
his second most important characteristic in this, in this uh, Romans is that he's dealing with the future things as if they were present. So often we are just so overwhelmed, if we're honest, or just so dominated by our present circumstances, as if our present circumstances is the ultimate reality. It doesn't get any more real than this. But our God calls those things that are not as though they were and lives in the light of them. I think that's absolutely incredible. How many things are we praying and seeing that are not as though they were? Uh, faith, you don't need any faith to live in Babylon. You don't need any faith, you need understanding, but you don't need faith just to live in Babylon. What you need is faith to see Babylon broken and the restoration of God's glory back across this nation and Europe and the world. We need to see what God's seeing. And, and that 70 years, you don't think Daniel just prayed them 70 years. I believe Daniel began to see the people delivered in his prayer, began to have a vision. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, what was his language? I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. What was his language? When Peter explained the day of Pentecost from Joel, he said that when the Holy Spirit falls on men and women, they would prophesy. Now, what does that mean? Call those things that are not as though they were. They would be given dreams and visions of the future. When the Holy Spirit comes, his language is dreams and visions. He's ahead of us. He's here with us now, but he's ahead of us saying, look where I am, look what's happening, look what I'm believing. 70 years, when Jeremiah said in 70 years' time, you're going to be delivered, and said that before they'd been in captivity, it was like the Holy Spirit ran ahead and said, here I am, I'm already in the place of deliverance. Last week when I ministered to you from Isaiah 41, Isaiah prophesied Babylonian captivity, and then he went on to prophesy what would happen in their restoration. The Holy Spirit has already gone through your trial to the victory. He's in the trial and the difficulty and sickness that you're in right now. He is in it with you, but he's also at the end of it. Saying, come on, see a picture of deliverance, the future. Don't be dominated by what you're in, but come with me and dream with me and see with me and hear my prophecies and hear my words and I will take you there and begin in your prayer to call those things that are not as though they were. I, I love this section in the prayer diary. I'm picking it up today, as you can see. On page four, praying with vision, calling those things that are not as though they were. Abraham believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not as though they were. I just want to read this. You might want to read it with me. I want to read this with you. So open it up if you've got it. This is from Colin's prayer book that uh, Colin die on prayer. Prayer that gets answered there at the back. It's advertising. Get that later. Special price, five ninety nine. But let me read this. This is Colin. This is what we're talking about. I'm in the first person. Personally, I never feel that I can pray meaningfully for something unless I have first been inspired by a vision from God. Unless I'm carrying the vision in my spirit, then I can't persist in, persist in prayer for long. First of all, I need to see the answer. Faith constantly operates in picture form. The Holy Spirit will often inspire us with a visual image of some sort to accompany a word of faith. 
Once he gives us a revelation of what he's going to do, then we too can see what it looks like and we can pray effectively, asking the Father to bring about what he's purposed. We will never develop an effective prayer life until we learn to see God's answers before they come. We'll never pray successfully for someone else's healing or salvation until we have seen it accomplished already in the Spirit. In the same way, we'll never receive other answers to prayer unless we are praying according to the vision of God. When you set out to pray about a specific issue, first spend time waiting on God, talking to him about it and listening to what he says. Make it your goal to wait on God until the Holy Spirit gives you a vision of the finished product to guide your effective prayer. Once you realize that this is the way in which the Holy Spirit speaks and works, you'll want to allow him to show you the answers to your prayers before you receive them. Of course, you still need to pray, but this will help you begin to flow powerfully in faith. And with a short while, your prayer life will come alive. You'll be excited about praying and you'll enjoy watching God's answers match the vision that he gave you at the beginning. Now, of course, this is a learning journey. We don't always see exactly what God's going to do, but it's a learning journey. And so God that calls those things that are not as though they were. Turn with me now, please, to James chapter 4 and verse 2. Breakthrough prayer. James 4, verse 2, second half. James 4, 2, second half. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Wow. It's so simple, it's profound. How about this? You don't get because you don't ask. We don't even know, need to go into the next verse about motivation. I'm not into that right now. We ask and it shall be given you. Knock, and the door will be open. In other words, don't ask, and it won't be given to you. Don't knock, and the door won't be opened to you. But how many of us know, even though this sounds so obvious and easy, how many times have we been in circumstances that have oppressed us? Babylonian scenarios where we think nothing can change, and we don't pray. We're too depressed or oppressed to pray. We, we're just murmuring or moaning or whining, not praying, not asking. I wonder, and I, I don't mean to discourage us, I mean to encourage us, but I wonder if we had been praying in breakthrough prayer in 2013, like we're talking about today, I wonder what we would have today that we don't have. Hmm? I wonder what levels we'd be at as a ministry or a church. I wonder as individuals what breakthroughs we would have already received. Now, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because God wants to give to us. He gave us his son. How much more does he want to give breakthroughs in all areas of our lives? But it comes through prayer. You don't have because you don't ask. Oh, I wonder what gifts and breakthroughs and desires. I wonder where the church of Great Britain could be if it simply, forget everything else I've said, if it simply began to ask. You won't see if you won't ask. Why don't you ask him? Why don't you get into a daily routine? Why don't you begin your prayer, prayer groups, your cell groups? Ask more. Ask specifically. Ask. And God will answer. 
If we go now to James chapter 5, verse 16, it's the second person I want to look at for breakthrough prayer to encourage us today as we begin our spring prayer diary. James chapter 5, verse 16, second half of it. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Prayer works. It's effective. If it's fervent, that fervency comes from knowledge that the prayer will bring breakthrough. Daniel had a fervency because he had a word. A fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous man avails much. So much can change. People can change. Circumstances can change. You can change. So much power can come when we're praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I tell you what, in heaven it's pretty good right now. I mean, when we lose a loved one who believes, we're heartbroken. But that person's not heartbroken. If you raise them from the dead, they would be disappointed because heaven's the goal, my friend. And in heaven, there's perfect break. You don't need a breakthrough in heaven because it's perfect. There is, there is no resistance to God, no resistance to the Holy, no resistance at all in heaven. Now, God says we can get some of that down here. Yeah, there's going to be resistance in the heavenly realms when we pray. We expect that. Daniel showed us that. God wants us to experience more and more of the power of the kingdom of heaven in our lives today. This is what Jesus came. His first words out of his mouth in his ministry were virtually, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. What do you mean the kingdom of God is at hand? Reach out, take it. It wasn't at hand before he came, but when he came, it was at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. Is it? Yeah. Let it out. God wants us to experience our inheritance, which is the kingdom of God that is ruled and execute, uh, executed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's so much experience that God wants us to have as a church in the Holy Ghost. New waves of refreshing, waves of healing. One of the promises in the promise page is that Kensington Temple, when its founder, George Jeffries, launched us, people from all the way around the world used to send prayer healing letters to Kensington Temple and they would pray over the prayer healing letters because there was a miraculous anointing of healing and, and everything. And, they, and you know Kensington Temple's nickname in those early days? It's in the prayer diary. The Church of the Great Physician. We didn't call us that. They called us that. It's our inheritance. Thank God in, we are getting testimonies from cell groups and, uh, and, and in meetings of people getting healed all the time. But we want more. Because God wants to impart us with not just healing but health. Not just in our physical body but in our soul. He wants us to come out of Sodom and Gomorrah and get Sodom and Gomorrah out of us. He wants us to be holy and separated from Babylon so that we can turn Babylon into Jerusalem, spiritual Jerusalem. Turn this thing around and we start with ourselves. And then verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, anybody can do this. 
You say, ah, oh, but Elijah was a... Anybody can do this. He says, Elijah, forget about Elijah. He's a man or a man just like you. He's a human being just like you. Anybody can do this. Anybody can get answers from, from prayer. Anybody can pray the promises of God. Anyone can believe God for victory. Anybody can change. You can go from 3 out of 10 to 4 out of 10 to 5 out of 10. You don't have to play in the Sunday league where people go around kicking the ball, kicking each other, and then going to the pub, having a drink, and then resting the rest of the day. No, you are a Premier League Christian in the making, and so am I in Jesus' name. We're not going to play in the Sunday leagues anymore. We're not, we're not playing Division 2. not playing Division not even Championship. We're going to shake ourselves and pray, and God is going to mold us, and by His Spirit, if we're humble and, and aware, God is going to change us, and we're going to become Premier League Christians. That's what this world needs. Because there's some Premier League devils out there. And I'm not talking about Manchester United, Christian, the Red Devils. I'm not talking about them. They need much prayer at the moment. But there's some Premier League devils. There's some Premier League demonized people out there calling the shots. We need some Premier League Christians to take on the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. To take on the emperors of Babylon and to bring them down so that this nation, this city, and this Europe, and the world can be delivered in an end-time revival. So, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let's go to this example of breakthrough prayer, and we'll go to 1 Kings 17, verse 1. First, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah got the word, and this is what he said. 1 Kings 17, 1. And Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, the king, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years except at my word. And we know that's, that's exactly what took place. But let's now go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. It's time for rain. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Isn't that wonderful? You see, he saw it, he heard it before it came. It's like we've been talking. He calls those things that are not as though they were. And the Holy Spirit comes and encourages us and gives us samples of where he wants to take us. If we listen to the prophets of God, the true prophets of God, if we listen to the word of God, God is giving us samples of what's going to happen so that we can hear the rain that's coming, so that we can see, so that we begin to get a picture of where we're praying and where God is taking us. And I like it. It says, Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink. He says, start to celebrate. Start to celebrate. Start to eat and to drink. Oh, I'm not eating or drinking. There's not enough left. It's coming. Start to act. Start to live in the light of that which is to come, not that which you're in. Let there begin. I know it won't happen overnight, friends. But let the future promises of God begin to change us now. Let's turn in to the people that God wants us to be now. Let, let's be a people that, 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 uh, that um, call themselves 
calls those things that are not as though they were. Let's call ourselves that aren't yet as though we are. See if I can say that again. Let's call ourselves that are not yet as though we are. <laughs> I've shared this again. I'll just share it again. I remember on New Year's Eve in the millennium, and we had the big party in our temporary tabernacle building, all-nighter. And it was middle of the night, and I went up. Well, it was after the middle of the night, and I went up just to wash my face in the bathroom. And as I did it, I just caught my own eye in the mirror. And as I did it, I had a visionary experience, internal. An internal visionary. And as I looked at myself, I began, and it was a spiritual thing, so it's hard to describe... But I began to see myself mature, lacking in nothing. I began to see insecurities, character deflaws, all begin to be healed and dealt with by the Spirit of God. And I saw myself fully mature. And I had that glimpse. And I saw myself with boldness and faith, but not a boldness that is arrogant. Do you know what I'm saying? A boldness that just had security in God. I saw a joy in my life that came out of that confidence because there was a joy that the devil couldn't touch. And, and I just had a glimpse of, of this thing. What was that? God does different things with us in different ways. But what was that? That was an encouragement to me. So that I could say, hey, things are possible. You say, well, that was you at 10 out of 10. It was. Well, you graded yourself at 3 out of 10. Yes, but, you know, I was pretty harsh on myself, maybe. But, yeah, but I can see where God wants me to go. And he's saying, Elijah, get up and eat and drink. Start to celebrate. Because in anticipation of what's going to happen, only the Holy Spirit can produce that sort of celebration in, in, in anticipation, but we should be open to it. And then what did he do? He said, well, the Lord said it, so I'll just sit back and relax and I'll eat and drink. No, he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He was in birthing position. This was the position of giving birth in those days. And then he began to pray. He had the promise, the word, just like Daniel. He begins to pray. And he prays one time, and he thinks that must be it. And he says to his servant, go, what do you see? And his servant says, nothing. And then he has to do that for seven times. I mean, imagine that. He did it once. Well, Go out and do it again. Nope, nothing. All right, let me pray again. All right, go out and do it again. Nothing. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm praying wrong. Go out and look again. Nothing. Go out and look again. Nothing. I'd have given up by then. Most of us would have given up. On number three. But you see, he had the word of the Lord. He understood. He understood what Daniel saw. He understood that things were happening in the invisible realm. When you're praying for somebody on your evangelism of three, we've got a whole page here where you can put each month three names more, three names of people that you want to see meet Christ and get saved. And you're praying for them. And you're not seeing any change in the natural. But let me tell you something. Something is going on in the spiritual. Something is going... Well, I prayed for them once. Pray for them again. Or I prayed for them three times. Pray for them again and believe that there's that something in the heavenlies is taking place. There's, there's a battle, there's a breakthrough, that the kingdom of God is working. There's battling, going, keep praying. Because one day it's going to manifest. And then on the seventh time, he says, go and have a look. And he goes again and 
There is a cloud as small as a, hand's, a man's hand rising out of the sea. That's it, says Elijah. Go up, we're off. Now, if I saw a cloud as small as a man's hand, I'll be like, is that it? <laughs> I thought we, I, th I heard the sound of an abundance of rain. I'm not even going to get my head wet with that. Is that it? Is that the answer? Is that, is that the answer to the great and mighty promises that we've been believing? Is that what I saw in the Spirit? Is that the great things I've been believing God for? Asking the Holy Spirit to give me a vision of answered prayer? Asking God to show me, and I've been in the dreams and visions of the Holy Spirit, learning his language, learning what is my presumption, but learning what is his accurate word and growing and hearing and learning and disciple. And all you've got is, a, is one fist. Do you know there, there's many people here today and the things that you're facing, situations, breakthroughs that we need, God has already shown you the fist. But you're like, oh yeah, whatever. Because it's just a fist, it's just a small thing. It's a small encouragement. But you've looked at it and you think, that can't be it, that's not enough. Oh, that's not, no, that's just me thinking. No, that's not encouraged, that's not God, that's too small. That's not the answer. Listen to me, it's God. It's the first fruits of the breakthrough that's coming. We have to learn to discern the small fist in the heavenlies that's coming. We have to say, that's God. Yeah, but it's not the answer. No, but it's the vanguard of the answer. It's the pioneering core of the answer. It's the little cloud, but there's bigger clouds to come. It's the baby cloud, but mama cloud and papa cloud are on their way. They're looking for their baby, the, the big clouds. And that's what he saw. I want to encourage you today. I want you to think again about situations, scenarios. And many of you hearing me today, there are little clouds in your life. Might just be a cloud of a fist. Don't dismiss it. Because it is the encouragement that is going to help us get to the full breakthrough. I know that I often struggle with the, with the clouds as the size of a fist. I often struggle with it. I often think, is that it? Is that the fruit? Is, oh, is that the mighty breakthrough we're prophesying? That, that, and, I, and, I, and I'm often in danger of despising the small thing. Because I'm looking at that small cloud, and I'm thinking, that can't water a nation. I'm looking at that tiny, that's, that's thank you, Lord, for this little thing. Thank you, Lord, for this small thing that you've given us. Thank you, Lord. But, you know, you might as well have it back because it's not going to do anything. <laughs> no. He didn't see that. He saw it. And the most important thing was, it was an answer according to the leading of prayer. So we grow in our prayer anointing. Believe in God. But breakthroughs at every level is not just going to happen by accident. In fact, I believe that the... Uh, Proportion of the breakthrough in some way is according to the measure of the breakthrough prayer. It's all of God's grace. I don't want us to get into law and think, you know, God can't do anything unless I pray. I mean, it's amazing how God's kept us as we are. No, this is an encouragement to rise up and to have more of God. To have more of God's will manifest. 
to see more of heaven in our lives, in our situations, to see the glory come, to see the breakthrough come, to see God changing us, delivering us, delivering us from Babylonian captivity, a stirring and a shaking of God, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit touching our intercession. I tell you, you try praying again, it's going to be different. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come along and say, God, I don't want to just pray myself. Holy Spirit, lead me. And you'll get in that zone. Sometimes prayer is a bit like, uh, sometimes it's a bit like um, Elijah. Sometimes prayer is like priming the pump. What I mean is those old pumps, water horse pumps that you sometimes see. And they're big pumps and they have a trough for the horse to drink from. And you would normally get the pump and you begin to prime the pump, begin to push the pump and nothing happens. You think, oh, done it seven times, no water. But you know, if you understand how these pumps work, you keep pumping because some sort of pressure is building down there. And after a while, what happens? Suddenly you hear the bubbling, you hear something happening, you hear the noise of water, and spurt, spurt, spurt. Water starts to spurt out. But you don't stop there. That's the little fist, of, like the cloud. You keep pushing, and all of a sudden, there's a flow. That's, that's what we need in our services, in our prayer meetings, our cell prayer meetings, and our personal meetings. We need to pray till there's a flow. There will always be a flow, my friends. We've just got to keep it always be a flow. And I'll tell you what, when you're in the flow, oh, it's so wonderful to pray and then just to get that flow going. Sometimes you can prime that thing by speaking in other tongues. It's like practice, just getting in the flow, getting in the flow. And then you, go, you begin to speak. And begins to lead and God gives you pictures and you begin to pray about this and pray about that. And you feel that you're making, making head, headway. You feel that you're making headway. Things are changing in the invisible world. God is fixing on manifesting breakthroughs in our lives and circumstances. And today I'm just encouraging you so that we together as a people and a church in ourselves and as individuals... With the help of this little thing, this little thing will help us. It's not the answer, but it is a tool. It helps. If it's been spoken as a year of breakthrough, let us grasp that and pray it until we experience it. In Jesus' name, God bless you.